0: hello everybody this is John Cranham this is the go to Dennis podcast I have with me one of my partners p o Modi he is in Brantford Ontario Canada and we have Larry Gazzardo back uh, on our podcast with us to talk about the p p e predicament so first of all p o how are you where are you how you been hanging uh, you go back I'm, to work
1: oh I'm good man it's uh you know well good and not good uh, you know because now we are seeing obviously certain states and provinces open up and now it's like we've been a month and a half just chilling out and now it's time to really get the practices ready to go. So this is why I'm so excited for this talk and to hear from Larry and, uh, you know, manage with our kids. It's been actually amazing with the bonding. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to look back and think, wow, this is some really good quality blue time. Like we talked yeah, about blue the time. Academy, so.
0: Blue time. Yeah. And, and they will remember it uh, forever. Right. I did get great news today. My daughter is finishing her last exam. So she, if she, it goes well, she will be Dr. Cranham 2.0 as of today. So that's kind that's of. That's awesome. Uh, finishing up her dental school experience. And again, for her, uh, this not the way you want to finish dental school. And again, A lot, is, a lot of uh, people in, in different programs are are going through the same thing um larry welcome back how are
2: you very good very good you know georgia kind of jumped the gun and you know opened up a little bit sooner than i think the rest of the world and in spite of that i i have not run out and gotten a tattoo or anything like that (laughs) and uh i i think most of the public even though they've relaxed a lot of the the issues uh the public didn't buy into it i i think they're they're staying at home and and all that and just taking advantage of this time to catch up on some other things. I listened to yesterday's podcast, the guys who made a million masks. Isn't that amazing! Uh, it, it, it's a, a phenomenal story. It's yeah, unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story, Anybody yeah. who hasn't listened to this should go back and listen to that podcast. I still don't know where they got all the sewing machines uh, and things like that,
0: yeah. but to no, that
2: much help and get the space and phenomenal and it's kind of funny it's
0: kind of funny caitlin had an exam yesterday and then went right over there and was making masks till midnight came back studied all night gonna do a test this morning and she was going back to make more masks so literally half of her class is in there working for these guys and uh and, you know, the, she just said the spirit in the place is just unbelievable because everybody, they're together, which, you know, not six feet apart, but they're together and um, doing what they do. But let's talk about this PPE thing a little bit, because I think one of the things that is scary, we're, you know, we're going back next week. I'm, I'm live streaming Seminar One Monday and Tuesday. My associate's in there, uh, going to start Monday with a very limited staff, no hygiene, And then I'm going to do some work on Thursday and Friday uh, staff meeting Wednesday. So we're kind of now, you know, the, the governor comes on and says, great, Dell practice is going to open, go at it. But like, but nobody's really telling us what to do. CDC is kind of, kind of mute on it. So I think everybody's sort of in that place about PPE. Um, What exactly does PPE mean? We'll talk about that in a second, but then, you know, what, a, what are we going to do? How's the practice going to be different? And I know you've been studying a lot of this. So, so why don't you take a stab at this, Larry, what all this means. And, and let's kind of kick this around. Maybe we can give some guidance. I, I think one thing that you have to know, listening to this podcast is, you know, I, I think everybody's afraid to say anything because of the liability issues. And, and, you know, the things we're saying here is not necessarily, it's more of opinion. It's not fact. We all have to figure it out. Um, but, this is going to be a work in progress for the for the uh, for the profession. I think.
2: Well, you know, opinion? one one thing that Dr. Dawson always told us always told us is that we never throw logic out the window. So right. regardless of what you hear, you're still going to use common sense in the way that you approach it. And John, I think you're right. PPE is a is a wide topic. You know, and usually when I think of that, I think of PPE, the strict definition is, you know, the personal protection equipment. What am I wearing? But I think there's a a bigger talk here. And I don't I don't know how you want us to address things here, but um, you know what I mean? There's there's things like when the patient comes into the office, you know what I mean? And what happens when they go into the bathroom and you know, yeah, all do we of that. need ultraviolet sensors for credit cards? So if we if we kind of just walk it through like what's it like for a patient, it really starts back in the beginning. You know, when when you're you're deciding I'm going to reopen, uh, we've always talked about this in these podcasts and in other places, is that, you know, when you're deciding that you're going to start seeing patients again in your office, you got to get your team together and you want to explain to them and use the science because we we've got science to back it here. But you want the team to understand this is what we're doing, not only to protect ourselves, but to assure that our practice is a safe place for um, our patients. And again, we don't wanna forget what we already know because dentistry has always been considered, uh, or a dental office has always been considered a safe place to go and it's always been considered a safe place to work, even, even for the hygienist. Um, it's always been considered safe because of the protective measures that we've always taken. Now we're just gonna be enhancing them a little bit because we've got social distancing and we have to be more cognizant of the fact of things that we touch and you know proximity to one another. So let, let's just go back from the beginning. Get your team together, have a meeting with them, whether you do it through Zoom like this or you do it face to face, at some point you're going to have to get together and in in, uh, have a meeting and you're going to have to talk to one another and you have to walk through, you know, what is this going to be like? What will it be like for a patient? What will it be like for you? Um, you know, how is your job going to change? How much more time are we going to need between appointments? So get the team together. So you want them to feel comfortable with the process? They're going to get questions on the phone. Will I be safe? What are you doing differently? And so you want to anticipate what those questions are going to be and, and have prepared answers. So, so just to start off, John, so I don't just rattle off a whole list of things here and forget You know that I have other people on the podcast, is that you start, start with your team. What have you guys been doing with that?
1: So, I mean, it's a great point, uh, Larry. I mean, we just had a Zoom meeting. John's been more regular with it, but, you know, one of our hygienists took the lead uh, uh, and we had a Zoom meeting, which was great. Uh, It was just a very casual one. But again, like you said, once the time comes to when we're going to open, which I think in Ontario, my guess is June. And, you know, it's a great point because we're going to have to have a staff meeting, a paid staff meeting where we bring them into the office and really – go over what exactly you're saying in terms of the flow from booking patients to having them come into the office and into the clinical, you know, that's where the stress is right now is figuring out that flow.
0: Yeah. And one of the things we just sir, let me comment. One of the things we've been doing is my associate has actually been working, uh, about three hours a day. And we've, we've, Larry's recommendation was to keep somebody there. So we've had a hygienist there working, Six to seven hours a day, just keeping the phones on, and again having that appearance that we're not closed, which I think has been important during this time. Um, And and Kelsey's done some emergencies, but they've developed a pretty good protocol already. Seen very limited patients, one at a time, and and kind of like you talk about, um, pretty thorough disinfecting from the time that the patient walks in the door. You know everything that they go through, and then obviously the clinical side. Then on the way out, and they've actually been utilized. We have five ops. They actually will kind of put this a room to sleep for 24 hours. After now, we're not going to be able to do that moving forward. But the point is, is that when we get back Wednesday, um, uh, we're going to have a staff meeting and and start to sort of start going into it. So Virginia opens on Monday. We're doing our live streaming, and then we're going to be back at it. Um, but one of the things we're going to do for two weeks is no hygiene. So just sort of doctor only starting to catch up on some of the procedures that we got rescheduled, had to reschedule, but just one doctor at a time. And and really I want my team to really um, master however we're going to orchestrate this because there is going to be somebody that, is obviously taking care of the clinical space, but I think somebody else has to be responsible for the trail that the person leaves as they come in and come out. And and the one analogy that I, I want everybody to sort of maybe wrap their heads around, this feels really new, but what I can tell you is I was in dental school when HIV hit. And I was a, basically a freshman dental school student when all that hit and up on that, up until that timing, mean, there was no gloves people weren't wearing masks and people weren't wearing eye protection and yeah. you know that rocked us i mean i can remember working with with um with instructors that <laughs> my resisted the, it we yeah. were the we were the first class to have to wear gloves and i can remember a professor in Ento trying to do the root canal and he's like guy he's four letter words flying out i mean he rips the gloves off and then grabs the file and did it without and i <laughs> you know so so i mean It's, you know, we've been through this. I mean, it's going to be different, but we've been through this once and chances are some of the things that come out of this, my guess is once there's a vaccine, it'll lax a little bit, but chances are it's just going to make the profession even better in terms of how we manage uh, aseptic technique and things like that. So.
2: Yep. And we'll kind of walk through that as we, as we go through this podcast. So the team definitely has to feel comfortable with the procedures. They have to feel safe because we want them to feel uh, relaxed and we want them, (coughs) excuse me, it's pollen season in Georgia as well. Uh, (laughs) You cough these days and everybody gets nervous. (laughs) Um, I was in church before all this started and I coughed and it probably wiped out like 50 people. I mean I got the fish I look from a, oh, <laughs> quite a few exactly, individuals. Exactly. You know, just like no don't, no no I'm fine I'm fine. Go in the
1: grocery store. But we want sure.
2: them to feel we want them to feel confident because patients will ask them questions and we don't want hesitancy like oh I'm not certain or maybe you know that kind of thing. So we want them to be prepared. Then, so once the team is ready and they've kind of walked through things and got an idea that, yep, we're following the right procedures, we're all going to be safe, this is good for patients, then you want to prepare patients for coming back into the office. We've recommended before that you do communicate with them. You can do it now through video. Um, you can send them a letter uh, if you're using contact patient contact software it's easy to send them a letter whatever but i would definitely send them a letter that you're getting ready to open and um, these are the procedures that we're going to be following but i wouldn't make it sound like all the changes or whatever because the reality is we have always done these things and we're even going to do some more things uh, to assure your safety Uh, you don't want to give the impression that what you may have done in the past wasn't adequate because that wasn't true. This was always a safe place to come and we're gonna continue to do those things and we're even adding to the things that we've been doing um, because of what we know about uh, coronavirus and all that. So, So let patients know. Um, Patients also have to be pre-screened before they come into the office. And so we want to do that when we contact the patient about their appointment. Now, this could be done a couple of different ways. Um, You could do it verbally. It might be difficult to get a hold of patients on the phone, you know, to go over these questions. Um, Some offices already have, like I said, patient contact software. So they they could email a questionnaire to the patient. And the patient could answer those questions. The key here is when you're contacting them about the appointment, you want to find out, and I would recommend that you, you do this maybe three days ahead of time. You want to find out if there's an issue that they cannot come into the office, you want to give them adic- you want to give yourselves adequate time to find another patient who's been trying to get in uh, to be able to do that. So you're gonna to have to make a decision on will you have them fill something out and send it back in, which could be done or are you gonna do it with them verbally? Um, At any rate, always give them a deadline and say I need you to complete this within 24 hours or I need this back in our office by 10 a.m. So that way if you don't get the form back, you can have a choice. You either go look for another patient or you know I have to call this patient and talk to them. So you do have to screen them first pre-appointment. Then obviously when they come in, Um, They have to be screened again and so the decision has to be made depending on your facility. Will you let them come in uh, in the office and so who will be there to greet them because you'll want to be able to hand them a mask. You'll want them to sanitize their their hands and then um, could they fill out a form again. You know, and bring it with you, and maybe hold it up. You don't, know, because you don't want
0: to touch yeah. the piece of paper. Yeah, we're we're actually going to take their temperature right then too. So we've got okay. So yeah.
2: that's part of the decision yeah. that you have to decide is once whoever's greeting them, you know, if it's decided that we can go ahead and continue with your appointment, you know will they show you the form? Uh, will you give them like a golf pencil? You know, will you give them a pen and wipe it off? Do you like how that looks, you know, kind of thing? But it's it sounds, because we never really had to go this far before, but who is the person who's going to greet this person? We're trying to minimize contact. So it's probably not going to be a business office person. It's probably going to be the hygienist or the clinical person that is actually going to treat that individual. And, and your be, clinical be, people- And
0: be ready for them. Yeah, be ready yeah, for them
2: going to be ready for them. The room is prepared. And so I'm bringing you back. So the point here is, is when they come in again, they have to be screened, um, given their masks, sanitize their hands, uh, you know, and then bring them back to the treatment room. But you have to look at all those different aspects. Like, will they have the form completed? Um, if Can they just show it to you and then put it in a basket? I understand that after a piece of paper dries for two days, you know, it's safe to touch it put it in there? Is it something that you want to have signed? You know, can they fill it out at home and
1: bring it in? You, you get where I'm going.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah. you want so, that person. So, so orchestrate that. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. One, okay.
1: One thing I want to say, Larry, with that, I mean, just on a, a minor point is a lot of people don't have printers at home, right? So a lot of people may not even have access to print the form. Let's just say that's the case. I mean, we don't. Yeah. I mean, I do have my printing at the office. So, I mean, do you think it's going to be, proper PPE to have forms for them to fill out when they come into the office? Or do you just want to verbally screen them again when they when they enter the doors? See this
2: is where it gets vague because some some doctors say I want a signature from the patient saying that you know it's safe for them to come in. So you probably have to be prepared for both because you're probably okay. right. You could use like a PDF, but again, you know that people sometimes have difficulty with that technology and they still can't print it out, or if they can't print it out, they could save it and send it to you if they know how to do if it. they know how to do Right, that. Um, right. right. but they can, always, they can always just fill one out when they get there. The point, like John was saying, is that we still have to be ready, whether they bring it in and show us that they have filled it out, or they come into the office and fill it out. Are we gonna wipe the pen down? Are we gonna give them a pen and tell them to keep it or throw it away? Are we gonna use those little golf pencils? It seems crazy, but that's just the way that the virus gets spread. And so we've gotta be prepared for all of those things. We also have to remember that our patients have been listening to the news, they've been on social media, they're hearing all kinds of stuff. And so some people are might be even a little bit ahead of us on, on some things. So we have to be prepared for it. But Again, once once it's everything's decided, I can treat you, and I'm bringing you back to the, the treatment room, you know what I mean? Then it's a matter of getting our gloves on before we go in the room, you know, putting on our, if we're wearing uh, gowns, are we putting the gown on before we go in? If there's health history that has to be completed, again, you've got to decide how that's going to happen. Um, is that something they could fill out before they come in? you know, or is it something that they're gonna do here? If they're gonna do it here, how is that done and how will that be disinfected and, and wiped down and, and, and all of that? So there's the, right, the so
0: appointment let's, let's, Yeah, let's, let's now get into the operatory because I don't wanna blow through all our time, but I wanna to talk to P a a little bit. What are, where are you guys in terms of, now you're in the treatment rooms. Let's say you, you get down the hall and you've, you've orchestrated that. Um, what, what do you got, where, what are you visualizing? You're going to be wearing you and your team. It's a
1: great question. And so this is, this is one of the biggest stresses here is, is the actual gear now. So into the actual PPE and it it all comes down to what we're all hearing and is aerosol versus non aerosol procedures, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if it's an aerosol procedures, uh, you know, goggles, face shield, gown, an n95 mask the issue and i was talking to you guys about this though is right now in ontario um, in order to wear an n95 mask you have to be fit tested so i called a fit testing agency and he's like yeah i'll love to fit test you but you need to secure the mask and then he said good luck and right now there's no masks available mm-hmm. uh, there are no n95 masks available in ontario and unless i mean most dentists who have been open like your office john they've been able to secure them, but there's really no supply. And there's very limited supplies with gowns. So, you know, I need before I can even open and bring my, uh, you know, and have our clinical team see patients with aerosol procedures, which is pretty much most of our dental procedures. uh, I need to secure this, uh, the supplies. It's just what I was gonna talk to you about, guys too about is, you know, what do you recommend in terms of securing these supplies? Because most of the major suppliers here, like Henry Schein, Patterson, Sinclair is a big one in Canada. I mean they're out
0: yeah it's interesting and so we we do have the group that i'm at we were able to secure um 50 and 95 masks about three weeks ago or something but we were definitely told that it's probably it for you know six to eight months or six to eight weeks um they can be used about five times and there's some disinfection slash sterilization ways we're looking at using our Bellus HD to actually print some N95 masks. So we may be doing that because we can do face scans. So I'm gonna face scan everybody and work with our buddy Drew Reingold to print some masks. So we're looking at that option. Um, and again, that's that for those of you that are thinking about that, that's a fairly inexpensive app to be able to do a face scan to make a, a mask that will custom fit you. That's something to think about. Um, uh, but, I, I do think that this is kind of where everybody's at. I mean, I, I was talking to Fred Sakamoto, of periodontist in Ohio, and the governor basically last week said, you guys can open tomorrow. I mean, and they were like thinking it was going to be the middle of next month, and he gave them 24 hours. And of course, he announces it so all the patients think that they're ready to come back in, and, and he's like where we are. like, So they have a meeting. They're trying to secure stuff. But I do think we're going to have to figure out before we do aerosols, I think everybody's got to secure something to protect the team. If you're doing, you know, a higher level mask and certainly face shield and gowns and all. And then I think if you're doing an exam or checking, you know, having a more traditional mask is probably fine if you're not sticking your face in an aerosol. And I think that's what I would, that's kind of how we're looking at it right now is, but anyway, our protocol right now is a, a basically a 2 week uh soft open where we're going to be basically doing procedures, dental procedures, dentist driven procedures one at a time. Um you know, we're looking at some of the procedures that we scheduled that were more higher production, quite frankly, the people are are, are hot to do it and it and it's good for the revenue of the practice. We're also delivering cases that, you know, have been sitting um, but hygiene, we're definitely holding off for a couple of weeks and the thought now and hygiene is we'll only be hand scaling. We're not exactly.
1: Gonna, I was going to bring that up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so agree. that's kind of where we're at.
2: So uh, you, you, you did mention like disinfecting the N95 mask. When you do that, how, how many more times can you use that mask?
0: Yeah, well, they're so. saying, they're saying five. five? But, okay. That's what you meant. But that's what. But, that, but again, that's my, my big question right now. Like, I, that's what I mean, told, I want to know, like, what are we doing with that? Like, is, is, are we really sure that everything, anything that gets off on it? And I think a lot of people are using an N95 and then using a cloth mask, you know, a mask over it. Uh, but I guess if you have the face shield and on and everything, I just, I have yet to do a procedure with all this gear on. I know you did PO. Uh, well, I had.
1: I mean for people who have worn the K I mean we had a K95 N95 mask, which is you know the the, the version from China now the issue was hey it didn't fit great and uh, a local office in town uh, they were able to secure masks but they did the fit testing which is what our college is recommending and here's the thing a lot of the lot of the masks failed so they had the staff come in so the, I mean we know these N95 masks are like gold right now for dental offices and so my friend was, you know, why are you punching holes to these masks? Like, these are like gold. But anyways, they, they tested the team and, and a lot of the masks failed. So just to prepare for people who are listening who are in provinces or states where you have to be fit tested, be prepared that, you know, A, you have to have the mask and B, some of these masks are, you know, may not be properly fit to your team. And my understanding, John, or, or Larry, you guys can comment on this, is there's basically two sizes of these masks. I mean, there's basically like a like a small and a medium size. Um, and then also the other option too is respirators, those those half-mass uh, respirators. I know 3M makes those too, and I, I believe that's also, you know, would work well too, but again, those are not available.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so again, I think it's, you have to look at what's appropriate for the procedure that you're doing. Exactly. And and then you kind of have to decide, does this procedure actually have to be done now?
0: Um, yeah, I think the other thing that's going to happen and, you know, Pio and, and I have been wowed the last three days by uh, the Polish invasion on our webcast or our, on our webinars, they were amazing. But, you know, Dorada, um, yeah, Dorada does probably some of the best rubber dam placement and work. I, I think I think rubber dam is going to become a big part of what we do. Again, makes our dentistry better, but it's a way to create a barrier so that you know that aerosol. If you're doing operative, really shouldn't be an issue because you're completely blocked. And so I would really have people think about that. You know, um, that becomes a great way that it should. The aerosol really should just be from the handpiece. Um,
1: and to follow with that, I mean, Dorada's presentation was incredible. So anybody listening, I would check out the Academy's website and watch her webinar because she does show her rubber dam technique. And I'm actually going to have my team, my assistants and my associate dentists watch that video because I mean, her work was incredible, but it's made, it's inspired me to use rubber dam more. I do not use that enough. And you're right, John, I, I think this is something we're gonna have to use all the time. I mean, the one thing we use here is iso-dry, which is that bite block that's suctioning Mm -hmm. at the same time. I love that. I don't know if that's kosher. It's definitely not going to be as good as a rubber dam in terms of preventing aerosols.
0: Yeah, I think in the States, a lot of times we feel like it's uh, a barrier uh, for patients in terms of them not wanting to do care. But I think if uh, we believe that our dentistry is better under it, Um, this could be a way for us to bring it back in. It's going to, I mean, you know, we use it uh, quite a bit, but when I I do a lot of slit dam techniques and the way she does it, there isn't any saliva in the, in the environment at all. And uh, so I I think that I I just want to bring that up because, you know, we haven't really thought about rubber dam being PPE, but it is. <laughs> it yep. is. It can definitely be a way to create Yeah.
2: Have you, have you two considered any kind of special filters in your office? Great question. Because there is, was... a, there is retro, retrofitting that might be necessary.
1: So that's a great point. I was going to bring that up because, uh, well, thankfully I was a little bit ahead of the curve with this. A, a year and a half ago I bought uh, surgically clean air, uh, uh, three units. And one is a massive unit and then two smaller units. So I'm thankful I have that. So that's one way to air, uh, filtrate air. Uh, talking to Lenny, a good friend of ours in the Academy, he is bought individual, like almost like elephant like air filters to suction over the patient. I believe he got them from AMD, uh, but they that's something to consider too. Now I'm, I'm very, I'm considering doing that, Larry and John to buy those air filters to suction over the patient. But again, I, I, I need my college to tell me what I need to have in place. Cause our college, unfortunately, I hope I'm going to get in trouble for this. is is very vague in the recommendations. And uh, if air filtration units are going to be considered good to have and recommended, then I'll definitely buy them. Uh, but that's a great point, Larry. I, I do have three units in the office, but I'm thinking of getting for each of the operatories an additional like one propertory.
2: Right. Because the, your, the guidelines are very vague on that issue. John, Mm you're going to say something.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sort of, uh, it's one of those things that I'm watching, um, and trying to figure out if, you know, I I don't want to, what I don't want to do is just start piling money on something and then find out that it doesn't help, you know? So, so I, 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 I'm sort of we're going to do this soft, open, basically how we're talking about it, and then we're going to just keep hearing the recommendation. You know, um, Mike Verber, who's one of our faculty up in Pennsylvania, they actually created uh, a couple of positive pressure rooms um, where, uh, where their oral surgeons are. And they did it primarily because in the state of Pennsylvania, they weren't letting any procedures being done unless it was in a positive pressure room and he's in a large group practice. So they felt like they kind of needed to do it to serve the community. Um, but you know, in my situation, if that becomes mandated, that becomes really difficult because, you know, we have our, our rooms are closed. It's not completely open concept, but there are two open doors, uh, as you walk in. Um, so, you know, going in and creating positive pressure, I mean, the cost to the dental community would be unbelievable. So I, I, think, if they, I think if they're looking at air filtration, it's probably going to be something along the lines of what you're talking about that Lenny's doing.
1: So, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's the other thing I was going to ask you guys, and it's a great follow-up to this, is, I mean, Larry, you've been in my office, and my office is very similar to John's, is that all of our operatories, there's no... I mean, other than a couple, there's no doors. I mean, it's basically aside for the system to walk in and aside for me to walk in and it's exactly like John's and what they're saying in Saskatchewan, one of the provinces uh, said that any procedures that have aerosols have to be in a room that's closed with a door. So if I'm, so this is where I'm really panicking because you know, it's one thing not to be able to get in 95 mass, which I'm hoping eventually the supply will be there. But if I have to retrofit my office, with doors and, and be completely sealed, the costs are going to be astronomical. You know, it, it's going to be a major setback, and I don't want to jump the gun like John uh, said and do anything unless I know I have to. So I don't know. Are you hearing anything about this, Larry? About uh, a rooms having to be in a closed environment, it's, doors?
2: It's it's a mixed bag, and so you're right because it's an architectural kind of issue, and it's for a lot of offices. But I can tell you the people who are I don't want to say jump in the gun, but the ones who are already moving forward with sealing off their offices, they're using a variety of like, um, the best way I could describe it is like a shower enclosure. Yeah. Because those things are very easy to customize to fill in a space that you might have above or below or or whatever. So they're using things like that. Some are using surgical uh, curtains you know, for that. When I think of offices like the two of you have, Uh, pocket doors aren't really, really feasible, but like those barn doors, like glass barn doors that would just slide across. Hmm. uh, You see them a lot in hotels right now uh, to conserve space. So, but my point is, is none of that is actually called for either. Um, But some people want to move ahead and demonstrate that we're trying to keep you as safe as possible. So they're using a combination of these things. But like for an office like yours, there's really no place to put a door. It would actually get in the way But but like a barn door that because those would hook up on the ceiling and then that would just slide across the opening and then just slide back when you want to get in. Okay. And so you could use something like that. Like uh, um, ortho people are talking about, you know, surgical drapes between their. uh, Yeah. The the open bay.
0: Imagine that the open bay (laughs) ortho offices where the chairs are like Uh, five feet from each other. I mean.
2: Right. Like, yeah. like just the pacing and the social distancing there. A lot of this, too, is driven just by the fact that the virus is very active right now. Like it's, it's out there. And so I think as the virus dies down, not that social distancing will ever go away completely, but the necessity to make sure that two patients don't see each other, you know, at the same time, that, that might start to get relaxed. But it just depends on how well we do with keeping people safe right now. You know, yeah. that will dictate how that's going to
0: happen later. But I think the other thing that's going to happen, and maybe we talk about this a little bit, but one of the things that I I do think the academy uh, prepares doctors for that's going to help them is, you know, we really talk about um, treatment planning, uh, doing complete treatment plans and scheduling so that you can do more procedures on one patient um, rather than, a lot of individual procedures all over the place. And and I think the trend, you don't really think of it at PPE, but it is. I mean, how you schedule a patient so you can, if they've got a lot of problems and you can sit down and block an operatory for three, four hours and do a lot of work on them as opposed to jumping around is I think going to be more and more important. And I think it's also a good selling point for a patient when you're starting to talk to them about how you want to deliver their care. Can you comment on that, on Larry? I mean, I, I, think, I think it's kind of what you've always sort of trained, but I think it is, um, it is a PPE decision from the standpoint of keeping everybody safe.
2: Yeah, it makes more sense now than it ever did. Actually, it's more relevant now than when we used to talk about it. We used to talk about it just for an efficiency point of view, that you have more flexibility when you combine more appointments together. But in reality, now, if you can diminish the amount of exposure that the patient actually has to the office, it's a, it's a safety issue. So I, I think presenting it that way to the patient, you know, we can minimize the amount of times that you've got to come to the office. And so we're going to phase your treatment just like this. Um, or even, even just to say, you know what, we're going to be able to get this all done in a whole morning. You know, if it works for the patient, but yeah, we've always advocated the more you can get done at an appointment, the more that you can combine into it, the more efficient it's going to be. And now even it the safer it's going to be.
1: Larry, you're, you're, uh, when it comes to scheduling, you're incredible with this and, and you really helped me with buffers. Now with this, with this coming,
0: uh, you, you know, need, you need buffers. going back to work buffers Yeah. You need,
1: things. But, uh, but I, uh, I mean, what from what you're thinking larry okay from a hygiene column a doctor working with two assistants or a doctor working with one assistant what type of buffers are you thinking we're gonna have to implement because you know obviously we have to let our administrative teams know how to schedule and bring patients back i mean what we were doing based on your recommendation if it was a doctor with one assistant it was is a 10 minute buffer between patients Um, but now obviously I think that's going to change. So what what are your thoughts on the buffers for hygiene and doctors?
2: Well, a lot of it is going to depend on how much time do you actually need for your infection control procedures. Right now it looks like you might be able to get away with about another 10 minutes um, infection control procedures, and everybody looks at this a little bit different. The doctor schedule is pretty easy because your appointments are naturally already staggered. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're working with two assistants out of two rooms, your your appointments are already staggered. So you're, you're pretty safe there. If you're working with one assistant, like we talked about in your office, mm-hmm. then that assistant's going to need time for infection control. And so again, in the beginning, while you're learning, I would recommend you take the time, get it done right, and then see if you can't shrink that time a little bit. You know, And so time yourselves and say, okay. get started, get going, because it's still... Uh, spray, wipe, spray. You, you know what I mean? It's like right. that has not changed and putting on a robe or, you know, putting on a different mask or whatever really doesn't take that much more time. It will yeah. initially, but you probably can get away with it. Hygiene's a little bit different, you know? And so again, they might need about 10 minutes between appointments. Um, some offices are saying instead, of, if they have two hygienists, instead of bringing both patients on at the top of the hour, they may stagger those as well. One at eight o'clock, one at 815. Oh, you know great. what I mean? Yeah. So there's a little bit of a stagger the, the complication there is when you're trying to do the periodic checks, it kind of messes up the doctor a little bit, you know, to do the, we do periodic checks a little bit different than you do in Canada. Right. Uh, but when you have exams to do, you have to take that into consideration. So you might, you might, you might just stagger those appointments. But really what I've been recommending to clients is just why don't you add 10 minutes on to every appointment Um, If you do that and you shorten your lunch hour, you can still very safely see seven patients uh, during the day. You're going to have to take, uh, if if that's going to be a permanent situation where you permanently have to reduce your schedule, then you may have to consider that you're going to have to raise fees uh, to accommodate that if you're not going to be able to see eight as you have in the past, but if you start like at eight, eight o'clock and then the next appointment, is at nine ten and then you know nine ten the next one's at ten twenty and you know what I mean just give yourself ten ten extra seconds. I'm sorry, ten extra minutes. You can get all that done. So you shouldn't have to put a lot in between appointments. I'm only giving in on the issue now because everything is new and people aren't certain. Right. So we don't want them fumbling around.
1: No, it's a know. great point. What you said about staggering, that's a great point because you know you're gonna have two the so way our hygienists are, I'm, John, I'm not sure if you're the same, but the are the exact same times, yeah. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And so you're going to have two people coming in at once. I, I, mean, I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. Because you don't want two in people
2: in the reception room unless you've got one that's big enough. But yours is most like everyone else's. You, right. You've got a very comfortable room, but everybody's close together. Right. And so you really can only have one on one side and one on the other side and so just to avoid that because you've got your your doctor's appointment coming in at eight o'clock so we want them greeted taken right back and then as the other ones start to come in you might just stagger that a little bit
0: the other thing you can do one of the things that we have in our office and and something to think about is you know if we have hygiene and and doctors around the same time or somebody comes early or whatever i mean It's, it's, you know, it's going to be hard to, to avoid people hitting that door at the same time, but our larger things happen all the way in the back of our office where our operatory is bigger. And what we're going to do is have those larger cases come through our back door because it's right there and they're going to come right through our, 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 so we're going to tell them to park there. And then my assistant will go out, greet them, do whatever we're going to do, temperature and all that stuff. And when they're cleared, bring them in through that way then when we have them pay, we'll come to them. So that at least will create a little bit more of a buffer from having to get everybody go through. So we have that long, narrow office, which it's just gonna be hard to keep people from it. So if you're set up like that and you have a door that team members come in, or the, I mean, yes. we may be utilizing some of those things a little bit, it's another and way to to, so to think about flow.
1: So you're going to bring the, the credit debit machine to the back to them that's a great point and then have them come back through your your back door yeah that's a good point
2: yep yeah, you can have them do that in offices that don't have the ability to do it some of them are considering those ultraviolet scanners you know for the the credit card and all that but it's kind of going to get to the point and if it stays this way for a long period of time that that your your clinical staff is going to take on more of these responsibilities because we're not wanting patients to actually have to
0: stop at the desk anymore you know their role so is going to it's interesting there was a book that was written years ago uh by Bill Dickerson uh, called the front deskless practice yes. do you remember that right right yeah and, yep. and uh and we did some of that for a while where we would have our our, our team you know we had sort of a roving and his his whole premise and it, it wasn't very feasible, I found, but it was to have nobody at the front and basically everybody, somebody's got to answer the phone and all that stuff. But there isn't any reason why we can't take some of that and have some of the things being done. Because again, once they're kind of sanitized and they're in one spot, doing as much as you can there and then let them just leave helps with The vapor trail so to speak
2: right right and it's not feasible to bring somebody else back into the room because of all the Mm -hmm. distancing so you want to be able to handle all of it right there in the treatment room and so the scheduling for the next appointment you know taking the payment all of that could happen right right then and there and so the the technology is there to to be able to do it most
0: of most of us have (laughs) computers in our ops now to be able to do that there's no yeah
1: Anna, uh, there's a great thought to this is that uh, you're talking about the front desk. Now, a lot of dentists here installing plexiglass, like what we're see, seeing at grocery stores. Right, uh, right. And, I, and I'm actually going to, after this podcast, I'm going to go measure my front desk to have plexiglass installed. Because I think it's going to be hard to avoid some sort of form of checkout at the front. Right? Like, I mean, what do you think?
2: Well, we're trying to minimize it as much as possible because you're trying to minimize the the amount of contact that anybody has with the patient or that the patient has with all of us.
1: So, So, so then you're saying, so if, if, okay, so let's, I'm just trying to think because of, from an administrative standpoint, so you're having the patients being greeted by the clinical staff, you're having the patients, uh, being checked out by the clinical staff, so right off the bat, I'm, what I'm thinking is my clinical team, my assistants are going to be like, they're not going to be happy with this. right? Because now they have more responsibilities, yeah. and, and the administrative team is going to have less responsibilities. Uh, so, what, what? How do you see the administrative people? What are their roles going to be in all this? If they're not going to greet the patients and they're they're going to be checking up patients less, how do you feel they're going to be in all this in terms of like how can dentists utilize them?
2: Well, they're still going to be doing all the other things that they did with maintaining the schedule, managing recall, insurance. you know, reactivation, right? Handling insurance and, and stuff like that. They're still going to do billing. Um, the piece that we're only changing is the collection part of it and probably scheduling the follow up appointment but go back to what John had said you know with the whole treatment planning process and that's what i like about what the academy does is we have a treatment plan that's already been laid out and the patient has already approved yep these are the things that i'm going to do so scheduling the next appointment becomes very easy for the the clinical staff yeah. if the financial arrangements have all been established ahead of time then what the patient is going to be paying at this appointment has already been established. The business office will still do that. And so, so then it's just a matter of, Hey, there was an arrangement today for a payment of so many dollars. I can go ahead and take that from you.
0: Got it. Yeah. And I think, and one of the things we're talking about is it may be um, that the patient stays in the chair. It might be my assistant. Basically um, if the, credit card or whatever gets handed to the assistant, you know, she might open the door a little bit and hand it to, I, I don't know. I mean, we got it. This is the stuff that each of us have to kind of figure out, but I don't think there's any question that how people move through the office is going to be different. And, you know, one of our points right now is not necessarily telling you exactly what to do, but orchestrate this. I mean, you have to choreograph this in your offices and it may be that one of the front desk people actually becomes more like a clinical Rover. I mean, that may happen. I mean, there may yes. be a change in position that the, that they're in a different role and they're going to be more dressed appropriately to be able to move in and out of clinical environments. Um, I'd almost rather have that than just having one, you know, patients walking all over the place. So, but this is what I think, you know, we have to, and that, and again, I, I want to do a follow up with this. Um, maybe in a week we can do another another podcast because this is going to be an ongoing discussion. And I can tell you, we don't have all the answers yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just know we're going back to work and I'm going to be dressed in in ways that I didn't ever imagine to be dressed. Um, but I do think we're probably going to be s- seeing fewer patients in our dental practices for a while. And from a revenue standpoint, it's going to be important that we treatment plan in a way that we're doing more on those patients. Yeah. And, and and that's going to be huge. Because so, your revenue
2: doesn't necessarily have to go down. It doesn't. If the treatment planning is done correctly mm-hmm. and you're maximizing those appointments, and if you're utilizing your primary care time, you know, to get these things done, you've got the flexibility to, to make it happen.
0: Which is one so, of the things we said in the last <laughs> time. And, and again, I maybe wind up with this, um, you know, one of the things that we've got to be careful of right now is as we open doors, there's going to be a real impetus for emergencies. And one of the way back, it seems like a year ago when we did the podcast, but you were saying, you know, really make sure you block some emergency time, but hold time for some new patients. I had a veneer patient reach out to us yesterday, you know, amazing, but she wants to come in for a second opinion on veneers. Don't hold those people off. I mean, we can still examine them and figure out what we need to do. You got to have a, a healthy number of new patients coming in. Um, we got to take care of the emergencies and then we've got to work on the back flow flow a little bit, but if we do it right and schedule it right, we can really have a big, big month coming back, you know, but if you're just reactive and trying to see a hundred little things, you're going to blow through all your PPE protect, you know, the actual PPE protection stuff. Um, and not be very protective. So maybe, maybe let's, let's just finish up with what your recommendations are specifically with regards to the schedule. Um, cause you may have, you may have altered this a little bit from when we first talked six weeks ago.
2: Well, you, you can still safely see a patient, even if they have to stop at the front desk, this can be done safely that doesn't put the front desk or the people at the desk, um, you know, at risk. We're just trying to minimize it. So I'll just go back to what Pete said is that we don't want to throw logic out the window. If you're doing it in a safe manner, there's no risk to you or or for the patient. But the more that we can minimize it, the better. I think as far as the schedule goes, the guidelines are very, very flexible. Pete left us with a really good blueprint. Uh, time take time the procedures that you're doing. See how long it takes you. And you'll probably have to time a number of procedures to kind of get a standard average, you know, and then just say, you know what, let's work with that standard average uh, for how long it takes for us to get things done. Nobody learns anything when they're rushing, you know, or when they're fumbling around. So give yourself the time. And then I'll just leave you with something that Pete said. He said, finally, then you have to ask yourself, does it take this long for you to do this? You know what I mean? Or d- does it take this long to do this? Or does it just take you this long to do this? <laughs> <Right. clears throat> and so even though we're giving ourselves a little bit more time in the beginning, we're doing it just because it's new, but that doesn't mean that that's the new standard
0: that it should always take that long. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. And I think it's also why um, I, you know, I'm really employing everybody to, to do sort of a soft opening It's okay in the beginning to schedule fewer patients. It's a great idea, uh, John. For the first week or so. And then, you know, the other thing you have to think about is that we're really looking at is as we do the soft opening, we're just not having the whole team come because one of the things you want to remember is as you bring people in, they then come off unemployment. And what you don't want to do is bring everybody in and we don't know exactly where the volume is going to be, but you'd hate the volume not to be and have somebody come off on and then not be able to go back on unemployment. So that's going to be the start of our strategy next week. I'm just going to bring everybody in for a staff meeting and pay them, pay them cash out of pocket so they don't we don't have any of this. But I just want to have a meeting with them and sort of strategize how we're going to bring people back in what we visualize who the first team members are going to be. And, and we've been talking about it on zoom they're all good with it. Um, but, but anyway, what, what I hope with this podcast, I hope that, uh, it's giving you some ideas. Uh, we don't want this to be a downer. We'll get back to a new normal and be able to practice dentistry and, make a good income. Uh, I hearken back to everybody thought the world was falling when we went through this with HIV and and then it all, it all became normal. So Pio, any final thoughts with you? No, this has been fantastic.
1: I mean, I've learned a lot from you guys on this and I also agree with you, John, it's to be continued. Mm -hmm. This definitely needs a follow up because we've went over some great strategies, you and Larry and, uh, I'm super excited to talk about this again because this is definitely a, a two part podcast.
0: Yeah, and you, you have a little bit of time to assemble this. For me, I'm going right back into the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. Here we go. I, start, start with an upper arch on Thursday. So I'll let you know how that goes with, <laughs> with my space suit. Down. Sounds like a very well
2: planned <laughs> appointment, in my
0: opinion. That's well, what so I said. It'll be, a, it'll be one long visit. So that's yeah. good. Uh, any final <laughs> thoughts, uh, Larry?
2: No, no. I just I think it's all been said. We've been through things like this before. It seemed like we would never get through it, but the reality was we're doing just fine with it. And I think I think the whole uh, other changes that we've had, you know, we're we're going to be able to weather this. Be patient with one another. Take the time, get it settled, and then move forward. We'll we'll get through all of this.
0: Yeah. This is the time more than ever to pull the team together and really communicate with your staff and set a vision and do a little choreography. and, And before long, what feels very uncomfortable will feel normal. Yeah.
2: There is a safe way to do the things that we need to do. And we have to remember what we have been doing has proven to be very safe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next time. But for now, we are out. Take care. Be safe. Thank you, guys.